And welcome everyone to the NACAFA. 65 years of our huddle includes everyone. 65 for 65 podcasts. And as I said in the title, 65 for 65, we're going to take on the kind of lofty goal here of, of getting you 65 podcasts. And we're going to talk a little about football, well, predominantly about uh, football with NACAFA, the National Capital Amateur Football Association. Talk about the football scene in Ottawa. Talk about how it's growing. Talk about um, some of its background. And also, more importantly, learn about a few key people who have been involved in it on both the administrative, the player level, and kind of really see why I always said, I've always said in my past that I think football is, is probably the most inclusive sport. And, and the NACAF organization is, uh, is kind of living proof of that. And so we're going to go ahead and kick things off today. We've got Ron O'Mara, NACAF graduate, NACAF player, also CFL alumni. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, Ron, let's get started right away. And like I was to mention to people, what we kind of want to do here is it's just, again, it's been 65 years that NACAFA has been running football in the national mm-hmm. capital region. And I mean, you look back, that's that's an awful long time. And that's an awful lot of people, bodies, players that have gone through, uh, gone through the system. And I mean, Ottawa, over the last 65 years, and I should say the Ottawa region, has trained, changed drastically. Like, I mean, it, it's what Ottawa looked like in 1965 versus what Ottawa looked like, uh, you know, in 1990 versus what Ottawa looks like in 2020 is just uh, in so many ways, it's different. So, I mean, um, really glad to have you on here. Now you're, uh, I don't want to say recent grad, but I won't, uh, I won't age myself here, but for (laughs) guys getting to to be my age, we call you a recent grad. Ron, why don't you give us a little background on your NACAFA playing days, uh, who you played for, how you kind of got involved. Yeah, so, um, well, I had moved from Montreal when I was uh, about nine years old. Um, and I was interested in football, but wasn't, wasn't really knowledgeable about uh, where to play. And we moved to actually the Gatineau side. Um, so growing up, I actually played soccer. And then um, my cousin actually was uh, signed up to play for the North Gloucester Giants. And um, um, so my uncle ended up telling my dad. And uh, my dad told me, hey, do you want to play soccer or football? And I said, absolutely, football. This is probably when I was 14 years old. And I ended up starting. It would be my last year, Pee Wee. um, But that was my first year playing in in CAFA uh, football uh, at 14 years old and played all through Vanham and as well as Midget. So definitely a blessing to be a part of such a rich, rich history. Oh, cool, cool. Well, again, we're, we're glad to have you kind of kicking things off here. And I mean, that's a good segue into something I wanted to touch on. Now, we talked a little bit about it, but I think it's a it's a really, really fascinating story. I, I think it's it's a Canadian story. Like to me, this epitomizes Canada. And I mean, something just to let people know, something that you and I have have kind of in common is that we're we're first we're both first generation Canadians in the sense my mother's family was here, but my dad was a Jamaican immigrant who came here to do school. And I mean, I on. Um, on your end of things, things were a little similar. You'd mentioned to me that your family's originally from Uganda. Yes, correct. I'm from Uganda. Yeah. Okay. And you'd also mentioned that you had, uh, now where were, where were you born? I was born in Saskatoon. That's where they immigrated to yeah, Saskatoon, you were, Saskatchewan. You were telling me that <laughs> going from Saskatoon. What, if you don't mind me asking and jumping right into it, what brought your dad to Saskatoon? Yes, yeah, so um, they, uh, my dad and parents, they, uh, my dad in particular, got a scholarship, a Canadian scholarship to study his master's and PhD in Canada, and so that brought them to to Saskatoon. Uh, so he studied at, uh, I believe it was Saskatchewan University or the University of Saskatchewan. That's where he studied his uh, uh, master's and PhD, and then afterwards, um, there was some turmoil in, in in Uganda, especially against the tribe that that uh, my parents are from. Okay. And uh, so they, they ended up sticking out here in, in Canada, which is uh, definitely a, a big fortune for, for us, for sure. Well, I mean, maybe your dad has some uh, stories because, I mean, obviously you were oh, yeah. able to tell, talk really about uh, growing up in Uganda. But how different must have that been for your dad? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. You got into the Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Like if you think of two polar opposites on planet yeah. Earth, thinking yeah. those are that. Do you, did he have any interesting uh, stories or contrasts he might have done? Anything you wanted to share with us that he kind of uh, talked to you about when you were younger? Yeah, he told us a lot of stories. Um, you know, one of the biggest contrasts is definitely the weather. It's definitely cold 
um, out in, <laughs> in out west. Uh, I think we could all attest to that, especially uh, playing out there has been and, and during the winter times has been definitely uh, something. Um, but you know, some of the key stories, you know, are pretty scary to be honest. I mean, he, he grew around the time of Idi Amin and that whole uh, rebel empire and, and raiding of villages and, and things of that nature. So he's seen quite a lot of violence. Um, in his day that he's he shared a little bit growing up, but it's kind of made him who he who he is. And, um, you know, we all looked up to him because of that. And, you know, he definitely brought us up with some good values um, because he based off of his, his his experiences. Right. We we learned from that. OK, so I'll just what I'll do is I'll just backtrack here. You cut out a little yeah. bit. The right one yeah. just to give people a little uh, a little background knowledge or, or not even background knowledge. But what I was supposed to do is, is take a look and look up. I mean, if you want to. Um, to realize some of the travesties that have happened on this planet, by all means, uh, you know, do, do a little history lesson there because that's interesting. So if you can just kind of backtrack there, just where you were, you were saying he was, uh, he was there during the period of Idi Amin. Yeah. So he was there during the period of, of Idi Amin. So he's from the Acholi tribe, which um, Mr. Amin definitely did not like. Um, he would just raid the villages with his uh, army and basically just kill anybody a part of that tribe at will. Uh, so my dad had to do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, maneuvering around that um, in terms of keeping safe in the village as well as with his family. Um, you know, some family members were fortunate, some were unfortunate. And, you know, my dad was on the fortunate side. So, you know, but it's crazy, you know, like outside looking in, like if I know my dad, you wouldn't think he would or if anybody ever saw him, you wouldn't think he went through some things like that or witnessed such horror. Um, just because of the way he carries himself, you know, he's a pretty nice guy overall, pretty stoic, but, um, it's definitely a testament to, to how, how much he's learned from all of that. No, for sure. Very calm. A bit of a disclaimer for people. I actually, uh, I actually had yeah. the opportunity to coach Ron's younger brother. So I've met his dad on a couple of occasions. And I mean, before he uh-huh. told me some of this, and even now what you're telling me, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's not something he wears on his sleeve and, and you would never guess it. So that's, um. That's some that's some interesting stuff there. So now bring us a little fast forward. You went from Saskatchewan. You guys left Saskatchewan, came to Montreal. Yeah, we moved out to Montreal. Uh, my dad got some work uh, in Montreal after um, after he graduated. And then from Montreal, we lived there for about six years. And then we moved to Gatineau, Gatineau, Ottawa area. All right. Now, did you find it a big jump or a big leap uh, going from Montreal to Gatineau? Was there much of a transition for you? Um, not not necessarily. I think um, definitely a bit of a difference in terms of the cities, like the lifestyle, I guess, a little bit. But um, overall, it, it was more or less the same. You know, some French, some English, and it was something I was used to. Yeah. Now, how old were you when you guys went from uh, from Saskatchewan to Montreal? How old were you then? Montreal to Gatineau. How old were you? So when I, we, I was born in Saskatoon, lived there till I was four. And then at four years old, uh, moved to Montreal uh, with the family. And then we lived there for till I was 10 years old. So at 10 years old, uh, we moved to the Gatineau, Ottawa uh, region. Okay, so your formative years were spent in the, uh, I guess we'll call it national capital region. More- yes, exactly. Uh, more, yes, yes. Most, the bulk of my uh, existence has been in, in Ottawa. No, cool. Gatineau. Well, let's fast track again now to your first football practice with the Peewees. When you went out, what kind of, what, uh, when you, it was a cousin of yours that, uh, that kind of, you know, had enrolled and, and, uh, or signed up for lack of a better term, and that it was an uncle who suggested it, and you were right on board. Now, were you, how familiar, you'd been playing soccer, how familiar were, were, were you with the sport of football? Um, very familiar. So even before that, I, like, I played like one year at Mosquito, I think it was. Okay. I was a little bit bigger. I was supposed to play tyke, but back then there were um, like weight yeah. rules. So I was a bit bigger for, I want to say it was Adam or something at the time, but they moved me up to Mosquito. I remember and I played one year Mosquito in um, when I was, I want to say eight years old or nine or something like that. And then I didn't play for a couple years until I was 14. But um, yeah, that was my first experience playing. And that's kind of what got me into the sport. One of my good friends played and I was super fascinated. Um, Air Bud, the football Movie was my favorite movie. Okay. And uh, I always liked the CFL. Like, I grew up watching, like, Anthony uh, Calvillo and the Montreal Alouettes, and I was a massive fan. And um, I just always liked to watch it and play it. But at the time, you know, I 
I don't think uh, we knew the resources in order to, to register for that. Right, right. Um, but that came to fruition once I got to have some friends who did play. And then obviously they connected my parents with uh, the information. And then when we moved to Ottawa, same thing happened. We kind of did we kind of just didn't really know the landscape above football, you know, at that time, and it wasn't even too long ago, but the media, I guess is, it wasn't, it's not that it wasn't as accessible. You know, I guess you could say, um, it was still kind of word of mouth. Cell phones were just starting to get a little bit popular. Right. And, uh, then, yeah, I ended up, uh, again, through word of mouth, learning about the North Gloucester giants and then starting my football, uh, journey there it's funny man because you bring it up and, and it, it just feels like we've had the you know social media cell phones forever <laughs> no, yeah not that long ago that uh, that exactly these things were word of mouth so i mean that's kind of cool so it was something that was on your radar it wasn't all of a sudden your your, your kind of cousin introduced you to it was something you had kind of growing up watching montreal you fall yeah cool cool talk to me about your first uh your first day out at uh for the Giants, what what position were you? What did you think? Oh yeah, I'll never forget it. Um, it was at Ken Steel Park. I still to this day think it's one of the nicest football fields ever. I was super excited. I had uh, these old school Nike Sharks um, as cleats, and I remember going out to the first day of practice, and Coach Mike uh, Stevens was uh, the head coach at the time, and I got to meet uh, Jerome and Jesse and play with a lot of a lot of a lot of key guys like Aaron Pedrickin, Ian Goodchild, I could go on and on. Um Andrew Eunice. And um the very first practice I tr- I wanted to be a quarterback. And they were like, "No, because I was I was always a bigger guy." So they're like, "No, no, no, you're going to go like maybe fullback." So I said, "Okay, cool. I'll go right back." I was about back. to say, man, I I got to very quarterback. Yeah. you down that road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know how it is. When you're young, you just want to be those exciting positions, right? The ones with all the action and, and football, like throwing the football or running the football to me was like the dream. And then I just ended up getting moved around between D-line and, and linebacker. I just kind of learned to, to love the, the hitting part and tackling um, defensive uh, strategies of football. Oh, gotcha. Funny story for funny actually. And, and, and a few of my friends know this. Um, I played quarterback for years, and uh, and I was almost the opposite the way it happened with me. I didn't want to play quarterback. I had my best friend mm-hmm. at the time who was my neighbor who was supposed to be the quarterback wow. of our Mosquito team. I was going to be the wide receiver, and we practiced all, all summer together. We'd practice all spring, all summer, got ready. And then he ended up moving away. He ended up, um, he ended up moving to Florida. I remember this as a kid. I was devastated, but then tryouts come up. And a uh, funny thing happens when you're that age, because the two of you are just outside enjoying the game, playing, paying catch, running routes. Every time I'd be the one to throw the ball back to him. And so I went out, lined up as a receiver and they, uh, and I remember the quarterbacks missed a few times or whatnot at the ground. And every time I pick it up, I throw it back and it kind of caught the eye of the coach. And I remember, and, and they started talking to me about playing quarterback and I was like cringy. And I remember even after about three years of playing quarterback, I tried to, um, I tried to move to linebacker. It's funny where I meant these of you. I went and I played, I think one year at Bantam, I stopped playing QB, played linebacker. And then kind of at that point, I realized, you know what, both my body type and my skill set are, are better served. And I'm not going to lie to you, the whole quarterback thing wasn't so bad. I, it was a real shift of gears not to have the football in my hand every time. I was like, whoa, this is kind of odd. So kind of funny story. I, I kind of, you know, the, you wanted to play quarterback, move to linebacker. I feel <laughs> <laughs> no cool and you mentioned a lot of the names and a lot of those names i, I i'm familiar with having um you know myself i'm originally from montreal but I, I grew up in ottawa and i've been coaching in and around the ottawa area for a while as well as out east and so i mean a lot of the guys uh, that you mentioned are guys that have crossed paths with and one of the things that uh, kind of interested me and interested me in talking to you about uh, your, your past with the Catholic was you were with the North Gloucester Giants. And one of the things that I found with the Giants versus the other team in, in the, uh, well, if you will, in, in, in the league, um, just kind of the territory that they have brings together such a, such a wide range and such a different, uh, such a very demographical group. Like, I mean, I remember taking in when taking um, a coaching uh, position with the Giants and coaching a few times and just shocked, like in a good way, 
I just, the way the territory was split up versus say other places, you know, the East end or in the West end or in the South. And you really had a different dynamic at play. Um, did you find that you were, you, you kind of with the giants, did you find you were exposed to different cultures that you, you might've hadn't been in, in Gatineau? What was your experience in, on that? Kind of thing? Yeah, no, it was great. Um, the team ranged from every culture you could think of. I mean, African culture, um, Canadian culture, um, Arab culture, um, Somalian culture, you name it. We had it all on the team. And it was it was really a melting pot and kind of like a direct reflection of kind of what our society even here in Canada is kind of becoming. And, you know, especially under like the the goal of just one goal, right? Like everyone unites to, with one goal and that's to win that eight cup, right? And it brings everybody together and it's a really cool sight to see especially back you're talking about like the mid 2000s here mm-hmm. 2005 2006 um where i mean as you can see right now presently racism obviously still is a an issue that we still obviously need to talk about but it's sports like football you know that really bring all of us together to really uh not really um judge based off of those type of factors what's well, funny so Sorry. it was yeah it was definitely you know it was definitely multicultural for sure. You know, it's funny because you said, uh, and, and I like the way you said it, you kind of said uh, when you were playing this back 2004, 2005, 2006 time frame with the Giants, that team was, was basically um, kind of that melting pot, if you will, Oh yeah, that, that Canada's on its way to becoming or was becoming. And I've often said that I think yeah. that sport, and in particular football, is a little bit ahead of the curve in that respect. Um Mm-hmm. You touched on it. I mean, you all have a common goal and you all have to learn to work together. And I mean, even I think you and I had talked about it a bit when we were chatting. It, it's not even just a question of different backgrounds, be it race, religion, whatever. It's also just it's a sport where you have so many different types of athletes. Like you, you talk your big old linemen, your linebackers, your running backs, um, your your. DBs, your kickers, QBs. I mean, I don't think any other sport has that where you just have guys that have such different or vast athletic skills or talent sets that play on the same team in the same sport. I mean, you don't see it in hockey, mm-hmm. football, basketball, because there's that central skill set you have to have. Now, right. you find, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about you moving on from Encafa, but did you find that... Um, that this kind of prepped you in any way, shape, or form? Do you look back at it? And again, I want to touch touch upon what you've done after your cafe years. But did you find, when you look back now as an adult and you look back after a, a very stellar football career, one that's, uh, you know, most kids are lucky to even dream of having, um, do, you, do you kind of reflect back and think about how, how, how playing for the Giants in particular may have helped you, not just in football, but in life? Oh, man. Uh, to this day, um, I mean, I'm, I'm super close friends with, I mean, uh, Jerome, Jesse, Angie, like a couple guys on that team um, that we still talk. I got to play with my cousin, Sue, um, and we still talk about the Giants days to this day. Um, it, we got to we had the fortune of winning the A Cup in our last year of Bantam or my last year of Bantam, I guess you could say. Some others continue to play um, in 2006. And it's a memory that we'll never forget, you know, because we grew up from a young age at 14 years old, all playing together. And there was something, one of the key things I'll always say, and, you know, at, at the time I had, I was lucky to have Coach Mike, Coach Daniel Tabikis, uh, Coach Louis Badawi. And growing up in that giant system, it wasn't just about football. They taught us a lot more about the value of discipline, hard work, accountability. And it was something I really um, gravitated towards in terms of really honing that into to something that I could use, not just in the game of football, but also in life. And it was those values that kept me passionate and kept me going forward to continue to play the game of football. And it's something I'll always be grateful for, uh, for sure. You know, one of the, when I got to the pros, one of my uh, coaches, uh, Orlando Steinhauer with the, uh, the Ticats, told me, you know, just play the game like, like you were a kid, you know, when it was just fun. And that's when you're going to enjoy yourself the most. That's where you're going to really be at your best. And it's very true. You know, looking back at the Giants days, as, as serious as it was to go get that A cup, every practice, a lot of the times were pretty fun. And, you know, we had lots of memories where we joke around with each other. You make good friends and just so much more. And even when you come to game time, you know, 
as much as it is about playing for your brother uh, next to you, um, it's also about making sure that you're having fun out there as well. So that was all, also definitely something I'll always remember. No, that's awesome. And I mean, like I said, and, and I mean, uh, I'm going to sound like the old man right now, but I promise you every year that passes by, they, the memories become even, you're more fond of the memories. Those relationships even mean more. And, and like I said, I look back myself and um, and the eclectic locker rooms I've been a part of and the friendships I've had and, and also the cultural experiences I've had. I've sat in living rooms with friends that, um, you know, yeah. just experiencing stuff that I, I would not otherwise not have experienced, but we were brought together by football and hopefully, you know, from my end, they kind of experienced something as well. Now, absolutely. just so people know, yeah. you bring up, because um, there are two guys, you know, you bring up uh, Jerome and Jesse. You're talking about yeah. Stevens brothers, correct? Yeah, Jerome and Jesse, uh, the twins. twins. Yeah. Well, no, good ball <laughs> yeah. players. Both of them good ball players. Had the yeah. chance to kind of uh, coach one for a little brief period of time when he was done university. He was looking to see if he couldn't get a shot in the pros. And unfortunately, yeah. with, uh, his injuries got the better of him, so he didn't get to Right. But uh, yeah. now, correct me if I'm wrong, you went on to university and played with both brothers? Yes, I played with uh, Jerome and Jesse, and then uh, rivaled against a couple of the other ones, and Daryl and uh, my cousin Sue. <laughs> where, where did they play? Yeah. And, and sorry, they went to Acadia. Sorry, they went to Acadia. So, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. And that was it was very interesting. Daryl, what was that? Was Daryl who? Daryl Daryl Bienname, um, very very solid running back um, in our Giants days. He's very good. All right, cool. And your cousin was. My cousin was Suleiman Semalulu. He ended up playing cornerback at, at Acadia, and he played both cornerback and running back uh, with the Giants. No, and you know it's it's cool. So I mean, you guys had out there, and you had I don't want to say across the country, but you know a good uh, fourteen, fifteen hour drive trek out there, and you all end up either playing with yeah. each other or competing against each other. So I mean, that's a nice little segue kind of into the the next stage of your career. Um, after yeah. you're done the calf, I believe you went on and you played, uh, you played some Sooners. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. I played for the, uh, the Cumberland Panthers varsity and junior varsity programs, oh. and then ended up playing Sooners and then university. Okay. Yeah. And now you would, uh, you kind of, when we had a chance to talk, you'd mentioned to me that you basically, you were looking at, uh, you kind of narrowed your, your, your university choices down to three schools, Manitoba, Acadia, and St. Effects. And you mentioned that, you know. Right. The idea was to get out of Ottawa, not because of any dislike or hatred for the city, but just to a, expand your horizons, get out of your comfort zone. Uh, what made you choose St. Effects? Uh, well, what made you kind of narrow it down to Manitoba, Acadia, and St. Effects? And then what made you choose St. Effects? Right. That's a good question. Um, I guess, you know, it was when you're getting recruited and a lot of like young guys are going to go through this, um, you're going to get a lot of schools um, kind of talk to you and obviously tell you what you want to hear. Uh, but one of the things I learned is it's important to know what you want as well. Right. And all those schools are, you know, they may all offer you the same thing, but it's important to obviously do your research on, on what you need or where you best fit. And um, I kind of just had a couple questions that I wrote down for myself in terms of what I liked and what I needed. And um, Acadia and Manitoba and St. Effects at the time just offered me that feel when I, especially when I went out to the visit. And uh, then it just came down to just talking to, to people in my life that, that I looked up to, my dad, my mom, um, close friends, and as just well as just my gut feeling ultimately as to where I needed to go. And my gut, ever since I stepped on that uh, campus of St. Effects on my recruiting trip, uh, my gut was telling me, you know, I think this is the place to go. And in hindsight, I mean, who knows, right, where, where each journey takes you. But, you know, I got, I got to where I needed to be eventually. Uh, because of it oh, exactly now you know i'm gonna you kind of started you touched on it a little but i'm even gonna get a little more granular with it do you have any if any of our, our younger listeners or any guys up and coming guys would you would you give one or i guess you can't narrow it down to one but a kind of key piece of advice in the recruiting process like how what would kind of advice would you give let's say uh, a younger ron if you could go back and talk to yourself is there anything that you'd really 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 stress to yourself in the recruiting process um, there's, wow, there's a lot. There's a lot. I'd say one of the biggest things for me, I think, was just trusting your gut. Sometimes you're going to get in a, in a, especially if you're a high-touted recruiter, um, you, you get into this, um, 
I don't know what, what to do. I don't know what decision to make sort of thing. And sometimes, you know, I'm a really big believer in, in trusting yourself and because, you know, you're the one who knows what you want, right? And it's important to make sure that you do that. Obviously, do your research and make sure that it's um, appropriate for you. But your gut's definitely important. And another thing that I learned, too, especially as a young, a young guy, and this is something that I, I, I'm glad that I also did well, is don't just say no to, to places that, like, come to you. I think sometimes, you know, it's easy, you know, when you know you're a good player to kind of be like, no, I wouldn't go to go to that school. You know, I don't think they deserve me or something like that. Um, you'd be surprised at, at where you land and, and what kind of an impact you have wherever you go. And being a professional with each team and making sure that you're actually analyzing all your options is really important because you might end up missing out on something that you might not have seen. Um, trust me when I say that. I remember Manitoba, they reached out to me. I kid you not. And I remember the first thing I said was absolutely not. I'm not going out west. Mm-hmm. And then the um, head coach at the time um, basically wasn't out. It was like, hey, look, I know it's okay if you don't want to or not, but do you mind meeting? And I remember just telling myself, you know what, Ron, like, even though you don't want to go out west, this is still an option that's there for you. Go out. You have nothing to lose. Just go meet, listen, have an open mind, and then go from there. And we had a great conversation, and I ended up going out there, meeting some of their players, talking to, like, Israel Adonijay, who graduated from there and ended up playing in the NFL, and just seeing how big the football culture was out there, like, that I didn't even know, it really made me go, wow, what am I missing here? And so one of the biggest options for sure is to make sure that you just – or advice, sorry, that I can give is to make sure to keep your options open and and just uh, make sure you just do your, your research based off of what you like, but don't say no to everything. Is what I said. No, I hear that's cool. And I know, and I understand the conversation. Coach Dolby can change a lot. So I can see that definitely happening. Now, what did you, uh, yeah. you ended up choosing St. Effects? What, uh, what did you study at St. Effects? I studied uh, sociology and psychology. Okay. And then how did you, you like the academic yeah. side of things at St. Effects? They were really good. Um, you know, small town schools are different um, in that, like, it's like a bigger version of a high school. So you can actually get to know your profs a little bit more uh, personally um, so they can help you out if you have any issues as well. Like, whether it's, I mean, if you wanted to literally go to their office and be like, hey, look, I don't understand this. You know, they'll know you by name because it's just that smart, uh, small of a school. No. Um, so that was definitely a, a benefit of going to a, a smaller school like St. Effects. No, that's very cool. Well, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you were pleased with the decision to attend the smaller school, um, mm-hmm. or a smaller town, whatnot, but uh, Antigonish. But on the other hand, from a football point of view, I mean, you clearly made the right decision. I mean, uh, right off the bat, you had an impact. 2011, St. Effects Rookie of the Year. Um, just to embarrass you a little bit here, 2013, <laughs> AUS All-Star, AUS Defensive MVP, second team All-Canadian, St. Effects Male Athlete, um, back-to-back St. Effects Defensive MVPs, uh, finished your career 158 tackles, six sacks, four interceptions, five forced fumbles. I coached at St. Mary's, buddy. I'm glad I didn't have to contend with you on the offense. <laughs> Tell me these um, like I said, St. Effects didn't have anybody. They had some good, good ball players when we played them, but they didn't have anybody that seemed to be wreaking that much havoc. Tell me a little about your St. Effects football career. Like, what was it like? What, what was the transition? Now, you had the advantage, and I'll ask you this too, of how big that advantage is, because I, I kind of went a similar path with you, is that you kind of left youth football, got a year of CJFL under your belt, and then went to university. How critical or how crucial do you think playing Sooners was for making the jump? from youth football to, to university? Um, it was big. I think, like, uh, so growing up, I mean, you really um, channel in to your physical elements of, of football. So, you know, learning how to come down a hill, just learning how to be a beast in every nature, um, and just using athletic skills. But football is very much a cerebral game. And it wasn't until I actually got an opportunity to play for Team Canada, U19. I was 18 at the time where I kind of first saw that and I realized, my gosh, I got a long way to go in terms of understanding this game. Um, and Sooner has allowed me to really uh, just brandish that side of it. Um, Andrew Mac- McAvoy at the time uh, was the head coach and you know he, he obviously had a very extensive um, coaching career winning the uh, uh, Vanier uh, with the Ottawa UGGs as an offensive coordinator and 
he brought uh, a knowledge to the game of football that definitely prepared me for, for Santa FX. Him and Bino, Cesario, Tristano, Raponi. It was great to play under those guys and McCarthy um, and just learn from them. And it, it, got, it got myself ready for, for Santa FX for sure. Now, and you know what? It's always great. You had some passionate guys there. I mean, I had the opportunity to, to, to know most of those guys and, and worked with a couple. Um, I was coached by Coach McAvoy. And then on top of it, I worked with and you're not going to find a more passionate uh, individual Absolutely. football in the national yeah. region. So, I mean, you made the jump from Sooners. I mean, obviously, Rookie of the Year, obvi- almost seamlessly. Um, was there any real transition for you going from Sooners to, uh, well, I'll ask you this kind of twofold. Was there any real transition and where did you find the transition more difficult? Did you find it more difficult going from say, you know, uh, OVFL, um, varsity to Sooners, or did you find it a bigger jump going from Sooners to first? Um, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I think I was probably the most intimidated going into my first year junior. Um, because the guys back then, I think junior went to 24 years old or something like that. And I was 18, my first year playing junior. And so the guys were, there was a lot, there were a lot of guys who played university ball that were playing and some definitely really good ball players that I had the fortune of playing with. So that was definitely intimidating. Um, but I, that, that was probably the first time where I realized, okay, I could, I think I, I could play some football here, even with some older guys. And that really helped, um, build my confidence to be able to go into the university setting. Um, I had the mindset after Sooners that I was ready for university. And once I committed to St. Effects, I, I trained hard and made sure that I was also physically ready and mentally ready. They, they give the playbook early and stuff like that. Of course, you're, you're nervous going into your first year, but I had, um, I had some confidence going into that first year of training camp. The transition is still different, though. Guys are definitely faster. So guys are definitely bigger and stronger, and it's just – a different ball game when you hit the university setting. Um, but it was really great to, to be a part of it. Now, did you play? You played one year Sooners, correct? Uh, two oh, years. Played, played two years. Yeah, back to back. Yeah, 18 and 19. 19. Okay, yeah, no, so I apologize. I mentioned yeah. the one year. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's a nice transitional yeah. period. Now, again, I'll, I'm going to, you know, take advantage of some of your experience here, and you can help out anybody younger guys. Let's see. Any, any advice for uh, freshmen going into their first training camp? I mean, I know how overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah, sorry, did we lose you, Ron? Yeah, sir, I didn't catch that last bit. Yeah, sorry, but I can just rephrase that, that last question. No, 100%. No, what I was saying is, uh, is that uh, I know myself how uh, intimidating it was going in as a freshman um, to university mm-hmm. and the, you know, that first training camp. Do you have any advice to, to, to incoming freshmen and first-year guys? Right kind of how to prep themselves more so on the mental side. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest advice I could give is um, of course, stay in the gym, stay in shape. I mean, guys, especially if you're coming out of straight out of high school, um, the next level is definitely no joke. When you hit university, guys are cleaning and benching. I mean, ridiculous amounts of weight. So you want to make sure that you come in correct in terms of coming in in shape, strong and, and in shape. Um, on the physical side, on the mental side, um, once you commit, it's important to obviously get with your positional coaches or your, or your, um, your unit coaches or even your head coach and just make sure that you're, you, you have the playbook. And if you have any questions, don't be afraid to, to, to reach out and ask maybe a player uh, on, on the team that you committed to or even the coach. That's what I did. I just was like peppering uh, Coach Zvek at the time with a bunch of questions because I just was eager to learn. And it's a good thing because when you're going into your first year, right, I mean, the ceiling is just so high. You're just going to continue to get better as soon as you get in. So why not soak while you can while you're a freshman? And uh, one of the biggest things that worked for me is just visualization. When you really visualize yourself doing something, I find it really helps them come to fruition. Um, And it helps kind of mentally prepare you, you know, to the point where you've, you've already told yourself, okay, I've already been here. I've already seen this situation. Um, and that's a key thing as well. Uh, that's, those are the key things that I would give in terms of advice for a freshman. Very cool. Well, obviously, you know what I mean? Uh, any young guys out there listening, I would tell them, uh, kind of smarter than to heed your advice. Um, after staying effects, after a stellar career, uh, in the AUS and for the, uh, the X-Men, 
you um you were one of that rare breed that actually got uh, got a chance to uh, get paid for your talents. Um, you got drafted. Now remind me when you went to, when you went drafted. I believe that you uh, you you got drafted initially by Hamilton, was it? Yes, I I got drafted by Hamilton uh, and stayed there for two years, and then was with B with Ottawa, sorry, and then BC. Okay, now you went, and I believe we we're talking. I mean, uh, you went in the fourth round to the to the Thai Cats. Uh, yep. Talk a little bit about that, because you also had the the chance to kind of go to these the NFL regional camps and got invited to the Super Regional Camp, and then you actually got to set foot in the New York Giants mini camp. Um, mm-hmm. How was the intimidation factor with that? Like, I mean, how did you kind of <laughs> that? Yeah, so that one just, I mean, that year. So I actually. And my last year, like when I committed to St. FX, I knew right away as soon as I stepped foot or even just committed that I wanted to play pro football and it was a big goal of mine. And I knew I had to do a couple of things to get there. Um, and I was fortunate to have that experience at St. FX. And in my fourth year, I told myself, all right, this is my one time to, to get uh, drafted. So I need to take this uh, combine training pretty seriously. Um, and at the time, you know, the facilities at uh, St. FX just were not – uh, fulfilling in terms of uh, what was available, especially in the winter. Um, so I ended up actually going down to Bomberito Performance uh, Systems and training out there in Florida for about a month. Okay. And it was there when I started to get some NFL interest. So I ended up going with Chicago Regional, and then from there got selected to go to a Super Regional in Arizona. And then from there got interviewed by a couple of NFL teams and ended up getting uh, a mini camp with the New York uh, Giants, which was – Honestly, an experience I'll obviously never forget. You know, the NFL is definitely the cream of the crop in terms of uh, football, and it was definitely a, a blessing uh, to be able to, to to share a locker room with some of the guys in, um, in the Giants facility, for sure. Now, going into that, man, like, I mean, and again, you had a successful career out at, uh, out at St. Effect. Want to say that again? All I heard was a successful career out of Saint Effect, and then it cut up. I apologize for that. Sorry. No, I was just saying no the jump, going from that jump to um, from say uh, Saint Effects, and and I know you went down and trained in Florida, but what was your frame of mind going into the the mini camp? Uh, it was nothing to lose. You know, at that point, it was like I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, my goal is to play professional football. And I was just eyeing the CFL. And then when that opportunity presented itself, it was just kind of like this additional blessing. And so I kind of just went in being like, I got nothing to lose. Have fun with it. Go out and play uh, football like you have when you were back in your Giants days. And it was one of those things. And I had fun in the camp. It was awesome. It was competitive. Um, It was it was definitely the playbook and the whole system's different. So that was a huge learning curve, but I enjoyed it. And, you know, got to play alongside, I mean, uh, you know, some pretty notable players and as well as, uh, you know, under Coach Coach uh, Coughlin as well, which is honestly a big uh, starstruck kind of moment. Um, but, uh, you know, you kind of have to put that in the back burner a little bit. <laughs> I got it. It's something that nobody can ever take from you. And there's not a lot of people out there that can uh... – that can, that can tell the similar story. So you went there. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. you know, go as well as you as you want. I shouldn't say as well. I'm sure you went well, but it didn't uh, come to fruition that you went to the NFL. <laughs> Ended up getting uh-huh. EFL for Hamilton and then uh, by the by the tie Cats. Describe your CFL experience a little bit. Yeah, CFL experience was interesting, especially as a Canadian, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, um, it was definitely – a uh, great experience, got to play with a lot of great athletes, and I learned a lot about the game of football. I mean, I thought I knew a lot, especially in college, but, you know, once I got into the CFL world, you definitely even take another leap of, of the mental side of football and even just certain techniques and certain systems. And it was definitely something that um, is very unique to people who get to the opportunity to play. And I'm very fortunate, honestly, and blessed to be able to even have a career, even to have had a career in the CFL, and um, I'm definitely grateful for that. It was it was a great experience. I got to play with lots of people whom I respect, and got to learn a lot from a lot of a lot of people, 
and um, it was awesome. Ah, it's such a small percentage of, of, of high school players or youth players that get to go on to play college, and it's even exponentially smaller for those that even get to play, uh, you know, half a season, four or five games. So, I mean, to, to, yeah. to get to spend four years in the CFL and also to have the experience with the Giants there, and, I mean, I tend to agree with you. You and I talked a little bit about it, but, I mean, you probably – Whereas the NFL, it's, there's there's no I don't want to say a numbers game, but there's no numbers game. It's just they're putting the you know whoever's there, whoever's the best man for the job. And, and again, there's there's some luck and some you you got to know some people, or they might have more experience with this coach or that coach. But in the CFL, I find yeah, yeah. we talked about there's that numbers game involved where. You know, for a Canadian, it can be tough. So, I mean, in, in a lot of respects, it's good to see that you didn't come away from it jaded or, uh, yeah. or and perhaps look at the positive. Well, I won't keep you much longer, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, I guess I'll just kind of touch base. If you had, uh, and this will kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. If you kind of think back, if you had one kind of memory or one kind of uh not so great memory, let's say, to start football. <laughs> um, is there anything that yeah. pops into your head right now? And that can be across your career. I'm not just talking CFL. I'm talking across. Yeah. The- yep. It would have to be my second year in uh, Santa Fax University playing. So I came off my first year. I thought I was very comfortable with the league, and I was looking forward to kind of making that transition to even just breaking free a little bit more. And um, second game of the season against Concordia, I ended up uh, tearing my ACL and was out for the whole season. So I remember that was a really big, uh, disheartening sort of crush. Um, But it was also a really good learning experience in terms of building mental toughness and perseverance and ended up coming back this season a lot stronger. So it was was also a grateful experience, but I definitely didn't like it. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Um, and a football experience I'll never forget, of course, is our 2006 Giants championship game um, against uh, the Cumberland Panthers, who we took out three times that year. Uh, but the biggest game was the semifinal, actually, that year against the Canada Knights. Uh, we had a long rival history since I started in Pee Wee against them. We lost to them in the A Cup in Pee Wee. Uh, and then the following year, they ended up winning the A Cup in Bantam. And then we finally took them out uh, last year of Bantam. They were a good team and uh, built a good rivalry there. But that's definitely one of the football experiences I'll definitely never forget. You know what I love, man, is that you played four years of pro ball. You went to the Giants mini camp. You were all world at St. Effect. And you're telling me your best memories are going back to uh, to playing the calf of football. I mean, that's and, and yeah. not uncommon to hear that. Now, I mean, just in case, because, I mean, I kind of take it for granted. A lot of people know who you are. But you had started your career. You played linebacker in the CFL. Did you start off as a linebacker in the calf uh, no, I was like a, a defensive line actually to start with. And then they kind of flipped me back and forth in my first couple of years. Like I played D line and linebacker, D line and linebacker. And in some cases, even some fullback here and there. Um, but then I ended up sticking out with, um, linebacker, but I ended up doing both though. Still, even, even in my professional career in the CFL, uh, especially with Hamilton, they had me jump from linebacker to defensive, uh, end. so, and I really enjoyed it. You know, the more, you know, the better. The more you can do as well, the better. And so why not? It was good. No, kind of Swiss Army knife. I mean, I'm telling kids, not just in football, but every sport, the more you know, yeah. the, the, the more valuable you become. Okay. Exactly. Uh, circle of wagons yeah. here, but before we let you go, what are you up to these days? Yeah, these days I'm just uh, – well, co- I'm actually coaching my old uh, team, North Gloucester Giants, uh, uh, the, the midget team now, actually. So – it's definitely good to give back, you know, to, to a team that I play for. And that obviously was a big uh, uh, part of, of who I am and, and where I am today. And so that's a good thing. And, you know, just uh, doing work around the community and uh, making sure I'm staying out of trouble, of course. So, yeah. yeah. All right. And what I'll do is I'll... on our end now, we cut off there with the Giants. It was good to give back. And then you kind of cut off there. Yeah, it was good to get back with the Giants and then coach and give back to, to a team that obviously was a big part of, you know, who I am today in terms of not just even my career, but who I am. And um, that's been a blessing to be able to, to coach the Giants again and brings back lots of memories, of course, especially coach, coaching with Chris and Charlie. You know, we both grew up playing the Giants together and uh, they're, they're great guys. You've done a great job there uh, with the Giants and just doing work around the community and, uh 
it's great to see Ottawa just continuing to thrive and especially continue to see local talent continue to just go and flourish in the game of football and, and in life as well. So it's been good to be – it's good to be back here. Well, we definitely want to give props. So that was uh, when you say yeah. Chris and Charlie, who had, uh, you want to give their last names. I know who you're talking about, but just – Yeah, so, yeah, Chris Chris Lalonde. I mean, this guy's a true giant legend. I mean, he grew up playing all sorts of giants and ended up – obviously now he's uh, uh, the leader of uh, the organization and basically runs it, making sure that all the youth are, are properly cared for. And you know what? I've never met anybody – to be honest, who cares that much about uh, youth in their community. And he does a great job in making sure that he goes above and beyond, to be honest, and making sure that they get the jerseys that they want in, in terms of making sure that, you know, they can figure out, you know, uh, playing fees and just does a good job connecting even to the communities to kind of get people to help out with the Giants and, and in Catherine in general. So uh, definitely someone you, you'd want in, on your uh, on your side and definitely someone you'd want to work with. Oh, and you- and Charlotte. And Charlie Marcel, of course, I grew up with him. It's great to see him as well uh, come back and and uh, coach coach with the Giants as well. I know both of them, and I had a you know again another disclaimer here, and this is where I'm aging myself something fierce. I had yeah. one of my first years back coaching. I had the opportunity to coach Chris, and it's it's kind of a really I don't want to say redeeming thing, but you kind of it is redeeming in the sense that you kind of you, you see somebody when they're younger. And you can almost predict the path in the sense that this, this upward trend. And, I mean, everything Chris is doing right now comes in no shock to me. Like, I saw that as a 19-year-old. I saw how he brought his teammates together. I saw how I could bring – like, he was he was 19 going on 30, but in a very good way, not in a, a you know, boring, yeah. mundane way or that 19 year Yeah. Just with his maturity. So, I mean, every, every single – I say – I'm like, I honestly say I, I, I had – nothing to do with Chris's development when Chris got to when I when Chris started playing for uh, for me his, his mom had obviously done one heck of a job and he was he was a young man he was already so I I don't take any credit all I can do is say that I, I was very proud to have a you know to be the guy that kind of would coach him towards the end of his coach and we we got a bond after that and it's something that you know 10 years later um I still keep in touch and we still talk frequently and uh, it never ceases to amaze me what he does. Great things with that program. So great to see you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron, like I said, I, um, I went a little longer here, but I'm not going to lie. That's all right. Story <laughs> interesting and fascinating. And hopefully our listeners mm-hmm. get a, get the same, um, get the same fascination as I did. Uh, one last point for you, man. Any, uh, any kind of suggestions for young guys or any thoughts? I guess it's twofold, so I, I lied. I'm not going to let you go for about another 30 seconds. First off, <laughs> That's all what right. are your thoughts on the future of football in Ottawa, more specifically in the cafe? Any suggestions for young guys out there, kids that are playing uh, Ewe, Bantam, Mosquito, and, you know, kind of want to be the next Ron O'Mara? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, they could be better. Um, I think it seems like they're doing a lot of great. I mean, even when I played, the Gatineau Vikings just came in after I graduated from even my last year, Bantam. And it's great to see that they're kind of broadening their horizons around even outside of Ottawa, like having Brockville join and Cornwall and things of that nature. And it's good to see that part of it just continuing to grow. Um, And coming back and coaching, it's awesome to see that, you know, the competitiveness is still there a little bit, right? And Guys are really, you know, uh, focused and coming to practice and making sure that they're obviously doing what they can to soak in as much as they can from their coaches and as well as their players. And if there's a suggestion is to honestly, when you're in practice, I remember one of the key things that, that I did was in practice, it was not a joke. It was more so like, how can I get better? And it's a good place to practice, not just your fundamentals, but to also build your mental uh, capacity and learning systems and Learning, you know, when you're tired to kind of know when to be like, okay, I'm, I'm aware that I'm tired now, but I could push myself maybe a little bit further in this area. And, you know, just making sure that, you know, with practice, right, you can't become great unless you practice something. And practices for me were always a place where I, I wanted to soak up as much as I could and learn. And so I would really challenge, you know, kids to take that seriously and show up on time and ready. Because when you get to the pros or even before that, the higher you – university even you know there are you have to show up on time and you have to show up ready and those are habits that you build 
uh, going into your professional career if you if you get to play and it goes a long way and, and you'll see how it can help you out in the future as well. No, awesome, but well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm not, and I'm not gonna. Sorry, were you gonna add something there? Yeah, I just wanted to add just one, just one last thing. I just want to, uh, Aaron Pedrkin, actually, who I got to play with and win a championship together in 2006, unfortunately lost his life a couple of days ago to in an unfortunate accident. And I just want to give a shout out to him as uh, a great competitor, a great athlete, one of the hardest hitting guys to this day that I'll ever know. And I just want to give a, a warm, uh, uh, sincere condolence to to his family and uh, the whole Pedrkin um family for sure and, and everyone else who was affected and also to my good friend Ashton Dixon who passed away three years ago um, another steward of the Encafa community um, definitely want to give a shout out to him and uh, what he's continuing to do to inspire the youth in his community no I, I really appreciate you feeling comfortable enough to do that here and, and first off buddy my condolences on your on your recent loss there um, I can only imagine what that's like and I mean, it's, it, with Ashton, I had the opportunity to meet Ashton and have him play for me after, mm-hmm. uh, after St. Effects when he was looking to get into the CFL. And uh, yep. just a phenomenal, phenomenal young man. I mean, that's, uh, yep. unfortunately, that's a conversation we could carry on for another uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Ashton Dixons of, 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 our, of our world should be around for, you know, 70, 80 years and improving the world. And unfortunately, it just shows we got a long, long, long way to go and kind of, uh, you know, improving what our, uh, our current society. I mean, we're getting better, but there's we still got a ways to yeah. go, man. Correct. Well, I'll tell you what, Ron, again, I could, I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. Uh, I told you earlier it'd be a little shorter. We kind of went over the time, but I, I I could use it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I could chat with you for another hour, man. I find, uh, hey, I, I love talking to you just so people know we kind of chatted before. I've had the chance to meet you before. And, I mean, I didn't even touch even nearly as much as I wanted to find out more about your CFL career. So do me a favor. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to get you back on here at some point. Down with that? Yeah, I am 100% down, definitely. Awesome. It's been a pleasure being on on this podcast, and thank you for having me, for sure. Hey, we thank you, man. Well, you take care. You have a good night, and uh, like I said, we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Take care, Ron. All right. All right.